Welcome to the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Fairfax. We hope you enjoy this sermon from a recent Sunday worship service. Come here, Jesus, I got something to show you. Oh, I love that line in the song, and I love to say that from the pulpit. Body and naughty indeed, and I think it got a little warm in here. Like many of you, I've seen and heard Godspell in so many ways over the years, both the movie and the play. The play in particular seems to be a favorite for local theater productions, high school and college venues, and even UU congregations. The song, Turn Back, Oh Man, is always a favorite, and it reminds me of Mary Magdalene, that mysterious woman, Mary Magdalene. The traditional story, and the one that I learned, was that Mary Magdalene was a woman who worked in the world's oldest profession. She was a woman of the night. She was a call girl, a prostitute, a hooker, a whore. Traditional stories have it that she met Jesus and was changed by this charismatic man. Jesus forgave her sins and she became a devoted follower. Although not much more is said about her during the three-year ministry of Jesus, Mary Magdalene is mentioned by name to be at the crucifixion, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Interesting to me that in both the oral and written traditions over the centuries, Mary Magdalene is remembered with such prominence. Let's face it, in the journey and the development of Christianity, it was heavily a man's world and very misogynistic. Yet we remember Mary Magdalene, the sinner, the prostitute. But was she really a woman of the night? Scripture says that Jesus cast out seven demons from her. Seven demons? That's a lot of demons. <laughs> but the demons could have been physical or mental. In that time, having seizures was considered to be possessed by demons. Demonic behavior was scary, and people who were possessed by demons became outcasts and shunned and lived on the edges of our community. I think I can safely say that I've had a few demons in my life, too. I also think we as a society still put people who are possessed with one thing or another on the edges, on the fringes, on the outside of what our cultures consider the norm. Nowhere in the four Gospels of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, does it say that Mary Magdalene was a woman of the night. As biblical scholars unravel the story of Mary Magdalene, the whole concept of her changes. Much of the information that I share today is not only from the New Testament itself, but of, from a wonderful book of the, of the Episcopal priest, the Reverend Cynthia Borzat, entitled The Meaning of Mary Magdalene, Discovering the Woman at the Heart of Christianity. There were a lot of Marys in the scriptures. It was a common name. But we remember Mary Magdalene more than almost all of the women in the New Testament. And we remember her more than several of the men, too, even most of the 12 apostles. The fact that she is remembered and is so familiar to us is a tribute to her. And even though women at the time were second-class citizens at best, her force of nature, her role in the history of Jesus is incredibly powerful and can't be denied. But why is she really remembered with such distinction? And this is the part that I love. Because she was there and she stayed there. Through the crucifixion, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, she stayed. 
She watched a man she admired and loved die a gruesome and horrible death and waited by the tomb. And again, in all four Gospels, she was the first person, man or woman, to see the resurrected Jesus. A woman. That Jesus, Jesus would both appear to a woman first and that male historians at the time would actually credit her with being the first. Well, that's huge. It is huge that her role wasn't rewritten as a male somehow and glossed over. What a significant role in the history of Christianity Mary Magdalene has. And it gets even better, particularly in the Gospel of John. Mary Magdalene sees the resurrected Jesus. She is the first to see him. And then Jesus tells her to go to his brothers and announce that he, Jesus, is ascending to my father and to your father, to my God and to your God. She was chosen as the messenger from the tomb. Mary Magdalene went to the apostles and said, I have seen the Lord and this is what he has said to me. She earned the traditional title of apostle to the apostles. She, the sinner and the woman, essentially commissioned all 12 apostles to get out there, get to work and to spread the word. The rest, as they say, is history. Did you know that Mary Magdalene became a saint and is recognized by several faith traditions as such? She's a saint whose feast day is celebrated on the 22nd of July. Saint and sinner filled with seven demons and prophetic witness, she was the apostle to the apostles with a huge impact on the world with both her gifts and her imperfections. Oh, that Mary Magdalene. <laughs> Forswear thy foolish ways. Oh my gosh, what does that mean? Well, in the old-fashioned traditional sense, I think that means for people to stop sinning. You use don't like that word sin. In fact, when I went to the Unitarian Universalist Association website and looked up sin, there wasn't much there, really. Our UU spectrum of theological beliefs is deep and wide, and to be honest, we don't talk about sin much at all. The fact the word itself can be a trigger for some. When I mention the word sin, I can almost see people's hackles go up and people turning the conversation off and putting their hands over their ears, la, 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 I can't hear you. But I invite you to stay with me for this and don't hit that button on the YouTube thing to leave meeting. Remember, our Unitarian Universalist roots are in Christianity. The Unitarians were a group, some might say a faction, of Christians that believed in one God, not the Trinity of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as being one and equal, but Unitarians believed that God was first and the highest, and Jesus and the others, the Holy Spirit, were a layer under. Universalists were another group of Christians, another faction, who believed in universal salvation. They believed that everyone would be saved and no eternal damnation for anyone. What a good news story. Everybody's saved. But sometimes universal salvation and what the universalists believe gets confused about sin. And people might think that our roots mean the UUs didn't believe in sin or even the existence of it. Mm, not so much. Suffice it to say that the general belief was that humans sinned, 
but it was up to God to decide what to do about it. And when we died, a loving God wasn't going to damn someone to hell forever. Very cool indeed. As the Unitarians and the Universalists morphed and grew and combined and changed to where we are today, so has the wonderful diversity of including everyone on the spectrum. We are atheists and agnostics and humanists and Christians and mystics and Buddhists and pagans and every flavor of theology you can imagine. So let's get back to sin. I want to say that although I might disagree with what some other denominations believe about sin, I do respect and acknowledge their traditions. I was raised Roman Catholic. I was raised with a very complicated sin structure. There was original sin. You were just born with it. There were venial sins, the little bitty itty ones. There were mortal sins. Those are the big ones. There's also a very complicated structure for penance and where to go to work off the sins, or no hope at all to work them off. Yikes, the layers were very complicated. Other faith traditions believe that even before you are born, God knows if you're going to heaven or hell and there's really nothing you can do about it, but you better lead a good life just in case. <laughs> or for some, God knows what will happen when you die, but if you lead a good life, you can get yourself to heaven. The whole sin and penance and afterlife and where you get to have your eternal rest, if you're even gonna get eternal rest, well, this is all very complicated. So here's where I land on sin. Sin is a separation from goodness. We are all human beings. We make mistakes in life, and we sometimes separate ourselves from goodness. How you define goodness is kind of up to you and the community and the society that you live in. But when you separate yourself from goodness, well, that's not a good thing. That's sin in my mind and heart, and we all do it. We're all human, and we all make mistakes. What defines the what that defines that separation from goodness is a list that's incredibly long and often situational. Greed and anger and ambition and lust and jealousy and envy, mistrust and pettiness and rudeness. The list is so long. I will leave it to you and to what you think that separation from goodness looks like. What does that separation from goodness look like to you? I learned a phrase when I was along the UU path to ordination. It's used when perhaps you have separated yourself from goodness. People would say, I wasn't my best self today, which really means I was cranky or rude or small-minded or, well, you can fill in the blank, but it's a very nice sugarcoating, isn't it? As humans, we all have the balance of goodness on any given day. We are also kind and compassionate and generous and forgiving in any other of those wonderful words you might to describe the goodness that humankind has inside. That too is an endless list and that too is up for you to decide. What does goodness look like to you? What does goodness look like to you? Let me tell you this, and if I was going to hop up and down on a thought today, here it is. We are a combination of both. All the things that separate us from goodness and all the things that we appreciate as goodness. The goal is not to become some kind of perfect human being. 
What a recipe for personal unhappiness and disaster that would be if that was really our goal. We are complete and whole with everything in that mixed bag, with all of our goodness and with all of our faults and our foibles. That wholeness, that mixture of everything is what makes us who we are, complete and whole, all of us, our goodness and our faults. Sure, we screw up, but we try to do better the next day, not to reach some perfection, but to love our life form and to love others in their life form and their wholeness as well to love our life form and to love others in their life form and their wholeness as well. Mary Magdalene, saint and sinner, sure, she had seven demons, whatever they were, and she was the apostle to the apostles. Yet she worked to build a beautiful city, a new world. She worked to build a beautiful city. Inside of ourselves and inside of this sanctuary, we work to build a beautiful city with our individual wholeness and with our wholeness as a congregation. We can work to build a beautiful city every time we are kind to someone, even if we don't like them. In all of our perfections and our imperfections and all of our goodness and separations from goodness and all of our wonderfulness and all of our faults. Let us work together to build a beautiful city. Out of the ruins and the rubble, out of the smoke, out of our night of struggle, can we see a ray of hope? One pale, thin ray reaching for the day. Amen. Ase and blessed be. Thank you for listening to this sermon from the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Fairfax. To listen to more sermon podcasts, go to uucf.org slash worship hyphen services and scroll down to sermon podcasts.